All right, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> All right, let's open us up. Right, let me open us up in prayer. Father, we just thank you that uh, you are God and you will be exalted no matter what in this nation. And Father, we just thank you that you gather your children in this room, God, because your love for North Korea and South Korea is so big. And Father, we just pray that your will be done at this moment. And God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit will come into this room and massage our hearts, soften our hearts so that the message, the word will go deep in our spirit, Lord. And God, awaken us to the truth, awaken us to the love that you have for this nation, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, so many people are here. Wow, good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Myung Choi. If you don't know me, I'm an executive pastor in New Philadelphia Church. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm going to give you some random facts about me. Uh, I believe that I am the first, very first Korean native speaker speaking at your own prayer meeting. I'm proud. And um, I'm here to give you some English teachers. Who, who, who here is English teachers? All right, majority here. Right, I'm going to give you some hope. Your students might be just saying, teacher, why? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you really can't really communicate with your students, but I used to be one of them. And you guys see hope that through Korean education system, you could produce someone like me too. Not to brag about it, but thank you, Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. But then God is turning this nation into English-speaking country. Do you guys believe that? And then you guys are playing such a crucial role in turning them into mighty warriors for all over the nations. So have some hope for that. Yeah, let me check out the crowd right now. In this room, if you are a, a Korean native born and raised in Korea, let me see who's here by the show of hands. All right, be proud, Korean natives. Woo! Okay, and let me see if you identify yourself as a kyopo. If you don't know the term, you're probably not one. So if you're a kyopo, let me see who the kyopos are in this room. Wow, like majority, right? If you are non-Korean, foreign-looking, foreigner in this land, let me see who we have. Wow, Woo! awesome, awesome. We have a mixed crowd, so I'm going to speak to all of you today. 2005, that's the year that I got saved, and that's the year when uh, a powerful prophecy was made by this sister named Hannah, uh, Pastor Christian's good friend. And then she spoke that the revival is coming into this land through the people from outside. Revival is coming into this nation through the people from outside. When I first heard it, I was offended because I'm a native Korean. I was offended. I thought that's something an American would say, ha, ha, ha. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I is Korean-American, so, but it is not saying that Koreans have nothing to do with this revival, but it is saying that the foreigners in this nation will play a crucial role in the revival that's coming. And they are going to come and they're going to empower the Korean natives, they're going to empower the Korean churches, that's how this whole peninsula will be set on fire. I mean, in fact, this pattern, like foreigners coming in and bringing the revival, it's not a foreign concept for the Korean church. If you know about the great revivals that happened in Pyongyang and um, early 1900s, do you guys know about that? The 1907 Pyongyang Great Revival and all the re revivals around that time. I mean, 
Obviously, gospel came from outside. That's given, though. You know, all the, all the nations, they received the gospel from some sort of foreign missionaries. But if you think about the Korea, particularly, the powerful waves of, waves of revival came into Korea through anointed men, men and women of God. So, a lot of, um, church historians will see it as just a chapter of this worldwide revival that was going on. So you know, some people call it holiness movement. Some people call it Wesleyan movement, D.L. Moody movement, all kinds of different things. But people will see it as a chapter of like ongoing revival worldwide. Let me give you some outline of that. 1904, there was a Wales revival near UK. 05, Cassia revival in India. And at 06, there was Azusa Street revival in USA. And at 07, it landed in Korea. It hit Pyongyang. And then it went to China, Hunansheng. I don't know how to say it, but Hunansheng, Hunansheng revival was 08. So if you look at it, it's kind of sporadic. It's all over the place. But don't you see that God had a bigger plan than just the Pyongyang revival? You know? And if you look at it from the bigger picture, actually, 1903, uh, this missionary named Hardy, everyone say Hardy. It's a, it's a name that's worthy to remember. Uh, missionary Hardy, he was a missionary in Korea, and then he, he was a newbie to all the revivalism. So this, another missionary came into Korea and I taught him how to lead prayer meetings and taught him how to lead revival services, quote unquote. And he was a newbie, but then he just went for it, right? And then the first time he tried, that was the ignition of that 07 Great Revival. So Hardy was able to, like, I don't know how he did it. It's Holy Spirit. But 03 in Wonsan, when they gather all these people, farmers, just break, this revival just broke out. And that's the very beginning of this movement that lasted for, like, five, six years. And then were they just here to give out the revival and just leave? No. They loved them people. And, were, you know, did they all do all the job? and not get any Koreans involved? No. If you study the history of Korean revivalism, there were these like Korean leaders. The most famous one is Kil Sonju, uh, Elder Kil. We have Linda Kil here, the descendant of the Kils <laughs> at our church. But um, the, the Kil, Elder Kil, he was one of the disciples that those foreign missionaries raised him, and that he's the one who kept the fire going for a longer period of time. You know, if you, you know, I feel like I'm teaching at a seminary right now, but, uh, you know, from this history, you can tell that, man, it's not a new thing. You know, Hannah just confirmed what God has done a hundred and some years ago, and God's going to do something very similar at this hour. But then don't mistake this. You know, we shouldn't always go back to 1907, the great time. Man, the Pyongyang revival, you know, once again, you know, back to 1907, we do all kinds of campaigns and we do all kinds of stuff to remember what God did. That's good. But we can't always go back to that place because that's something in the past and God's going to do something greater. Do you guys believe that God is a God of increase in glory? Then we got to believe that a greater revival is coming in this nation. And even that pattern, God's going to really emphasize it. All these foreigners having heart for Korea, they're going to come in and they're going to empower the Korean people. Amen? So all I'm saying tonight is that you guys are the keys for the revival of this nation. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell you are the key. Man, whether you're a Kyopo or foreigner or Korean native, you guys are here and you guys are the keys. 
Man, let me break it down a little bit for you guys. Uh, we already saw that we had like half of the room, foreigners, non-Korean foreigners, and half the room, majority kyopos and all that. But all the foreigners in the, in the room, I don't know why you guys are here, but uh, <laughs> really not sure. You know, if you have no Korean friend, I don't know, through your Korean friend, through because of recession, to look for a job. I don't know. Do you like 소녀시대 or something? <laughs> are you here for the Korean wave? I don't know why you're here, but you guys are here. And I think that's pretty interesting. You know? And then there was this one foreigner in the Bible that really stood out to me as I was getting ready for this. His name's Joseph. Joseph was a foreigner. You guys know that? In Egypt, he was completely foreigner. Just, just like you in Korea. It's like Pastor John Newfield in Korea for like 10 years, you know. <laughs> He's been here for so long, but you can't really tell by his Korean skill, but. Oh, yeah, John. <laughs> but you know what, though? He's Korean. Oh, in terms of like food names, he, he's like, he, he knows everything. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor John. I love you. Yeah, but like, it's so mind-boggling. How did you end up in this little peninsula called Korea? How did you even find this nation on your map? <laughs> Seriously. You know, but then if you think about how, how God used Joseph, it was so powerful. You know, he was a refugee. He was sold into slavery. So he came in as a slave boy, and he was, what, the second in command right after the pharaoh, right? He was the prime minister of the whole, the most powerful country called Egypt. Can you believe that? He was a complete foreigner in the land, and God used him powerfully in the nation. God had a plan. And I believe there was a reason why God used a foreigner in the setting. And we saw a lot of kyopos are in this room. I don't know if you are 1.5 or second or third generation or 1.8 or not. I don't know. I don't know how to distinguish all that. But some kind of kyopos, Korean-looking diaspora, diaspora, you guys are all here. I mean, this is the land, nation that your parents really wanted to leave. And they have like a couple hundred dollars in their pockets. And then they flew out. Goodbye, Korea. To give you some better education, to get you some education in English. And, you know, they open laundromat, whatever, grocery store. And they raised you up to this point. And I don't know why you guys are here. <laughs> you know, you guys all flew back in. I mean, quote, unquote, motherland. You guys are here. And I'm glad you're here. Welcome. You know? But if you think about it, it's very interesting. And a lot of people, not a lot, but some people in this room, I know you guys are adopted. Uh, into different families all over the world. And maybe you came back to find your birth parents. You came back looking for your root. I don't know. But some adoptees are also in this room. Do you know that? You can, follow, you can find a fellow brother in the Bible named Moses. Moses was a kyoto dude. He was a, he was a Hebrew. <laughs> Moses was a Hebrew Egyptian kyopo. I'm serious. <laughs> Don't you see it? You know, he was an adoptee. He was, um, you know, thrown into the river, but somebody picked it up. So he was a, a Hebrew. <laughs> so he was a Hebrew Egyptian adoptee right there. You know? And then God raised him and God used him powerfully. He was a legendary leader in the nation of Israel. Come on. An adoptee who came back. He made the comeback, you know, after... All that years in the desert, you know, God 
had a purpose for that Kyopo boy, Moses. You know, it's so interesting. Uh, outstanding select God-chosen leaders in the Bible were foreigners. You can identify with them. I mean, in this message, I'm just going to call you guys all foreigners except for all the Korean natives. Cause just, to, just for the sake of convenience, because I don't want to keep saying people from outside, people from outside, you know. Aliens, you know. You guys all have your ARC. It's alien registration cards. You know, I don't want to call you guys aliens here. <laughs> so I'm just going to call you guys foreigners. If it's not that offensive, that's fine, right? Okay, all the foreigners say okay. All right, so, you know, God has a mighty plan for this nation. And the revival is coming, like I said earlier. But it requires your participation. Foreigners, I'm telling you, you have a lot to do with the revival of this nation. A lot to do. You know, I'm going to lead you guys to the scripture. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. And you will find a story of an uncle and a nephew named Lot and Abraham. Lot is Abraham's nephew. And then they used to live together in the same area. In Genesis chapter 13, because God multiplied their possession, they couldn't live together anymore. So they ended up having to separate from each other. So the, the uncle, Samchon, gives the Joka, the nephew, a choice. All right, Joka, you go where, whichever way you go, you want to go, and then I'm going to go to the opposite direction. So Lot here, he chooses to live near a city called Sodom. You guys all know Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Sodom, right? And then um, verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 13 says this. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, were sinning greatly against the Lord. It wasn't necessarily a best spot to choose. Maybe it looked like their nightlife was fantastic. I don't know why Lot chose the land, but he decided to go toward Sodom and settle there. You know, a lot of people say, oh man, just Lot made wrong decision. He made ungodly decision. That's why he ended up that way. So many people talk about that, but I don't think so. Light belongs into darkness. You guys believe that? So the problem wasn't that Lot ended in the sinful land, but I believe that the problem was he had no influence in the sinful land. So when Abraham, you know, just to explain what I'm saying, when Abraham was pleading with God for Sodom, you know, Lord, have mercy on the city. And please, if you find 50 righteous men in the city, please don't destroy it. And God says, all right, if I find 50, I will let it go. And then, man, he's got some crazy negotiation skill. It's like buying something that was worth of omanan, like at like mana, you know, like 50 to 10. That's crazy. That's crazy negotiation. But then he goes for like, what about 40? What about 30? 20 and 10, and God negotiates up to that point. All right, if I find 10 righteous men, I will let this city go. I'm not going to destroy it. You guys remember the story? So destruction and judgment, people think it comes because the unrighteousness is just so great. But then if you really observe this story, it comes because of lack of righteous ones. We like to blame on the unrighteous ones. And all the sin of the city, you know, so corrupt and all that. But then if you really think about it, it could be triggered by the fact that there's not too many, there's too many unrighteous ones. You know, it could start that way. But then when there's intercessors like Abraham, 
later on, when it comes down to it, it happens. Judgment comes because he cannot find ten righteous people in the city. You know, judgment came on Sodom not because of hundreds or thousands of unrighteous people. It came because God couldn't find ten righteous ones. So, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't really have anyone to blame right now. Are we being the ten righteous ones that God is looking for? You know? And Lot's problem as a foreigner living in the land was this. Um, that he had zero influence. And I'm going to prove it through the text. I'm going to just lead you through. Man, turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't be like Lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, yeah. Sorry, Lot, if you're listening, but man, we shouldn't be like him. It's just perfect example. I'm going to lead you through, right? Genesis 19, you guys are there? Genesis 19, verse 1, it says this. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. These angels brought the news of destruction. They came to destroy the city. And Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. So different commentators will tell you that this phrase, sitting in the gateway of the city, uh, it it, it symbolizes that he had a high position or like a vocation. You know, so he was a person with a nice job or like status or something like that. So Lot had his job. High, like good position. And then um, these two angels ends up coming to Lot's house. And then, uh, you know, all that, all that stuff happens. You know, all this man in the neighborhood comes to his house and saying, all right, I saw those two men going to your house. Let them out. I'm, we're going to have sex with them, right? The Bible says it, all right? So, yeah, get them all out. Uh, we want to have pleasure with them, whatever. And then Lot says, I have virgin daughters. You can take them and have, whatever, do whatever you want to do with them. And then let, let, the, let the angels be, right? That's jacked up. You know, that's really jacked up. And, man, you can't really defend that. Your daughters, you know, precious daughters, don't do that, brothers. Um, you know, instead of rebuking the evilness, instead of rebuking the sin, he, he was, like, trying to exchange and negotiate, you know, why don't you do this instead of that? You know, you can tell that Lot was not really interested in uprightness in this moment. And verse 9, it says this. So to that, to that suggestion, um, these men that are gathered, they say this, verse 9, get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and now he wants to play the judge. Huh. Basically, they're just laughing at him. You came here as an alien, and you have no right to say anything. Granted, back in the days, aliens and foreigners didn't really have much influence, right? But then you can see his uncle doing great in his own land, you know? So in his community, he had no influence. You can tell by how these men treated him. You know, you basically get out of my way. You know, so Lot had no influence in the community. Verse 14. Let's look at that. It says this. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law. So basically the angels warned him. All right, we are here to destroy the city. Tell your family that to leave. Evacuation. Everybody leave. So Lot went to... His sons and daughters who were pledged to marry his daughters. And he says this, hurry and get out of this place. Emergency. Because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But then watch this. His sons-in-law thought he was joking. 
son-in-law thought he's joking. What is, is he like crazy? What is he saying? They thought Lot was joking. You can tell even in his family, Lot had no influence. And on verse 29, it's really pathetic. It says, so when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. So Lot was saved only because of his uncle's intercession. Because his uncle pleaded to God and God in his mercy just remembered him and brought him out of the city. This is my question to you guys. Are you a foreigner like Lot in Korea? I mean, earlier I said, don't be like him. But are you a foreigner that has a mindset of Lot? Let me explain. There are foreigners who come in to Korea just like Lot went into Sodom. Thinking, oh, Korea looks great. Let me go there. And then it's not that difficult to get an English teaching job here. So just like Lot did, you guys get an English teaching job. You have title and position as a teacher. That gives you some influence or status or position. But then when you speak, there's no influence. At your hagwon, at your school, no influence. In your family, with your roommate, you have no godly influence on them. You know, even your Hagwon kids might know, oh man, my teacher's going to leave Korea as soon as he's done with this saving plan. You know what, though? I used to know, I used to be able to tell if my teachers were sincere, if my teachers were interested in teaching us, or he was just so waiting for his contract to end. As like a 13-year-old kid, I could tell who was devoted and who was not. You know? I mean, all I spoke was, why teacher? Why teacher? And I don't know. I don't know. That's all I spoke. But I could tell their heart. Are you becoming a foreigner like Lot in this scripture? If this really describes how you've been thinking about your life in Korea, it's time to shift out of that. You being in Korea right now, it's so much bigger than that. Footsteps of Lot is not to be followed by any of us. So you're here to be a kingdom influence. You're here to empower the Korean people. You are here to bless and love Korea. I'm not saying this because I'm Korean, but God has a plan for you, for all the foreigners, all the Kyopos, all the native Koreans here. I mean, why foreigners? A lot of people ask. I mean, why foreigners? Korean Christian church is amazing. It's big. We have so many big churches and big name speakers and pastors. Why foreigners? Some people might ask you that. And I thought about it a lot. I mean, these are just some stuff that I came up with, but I'm not like saying these are like the reason why. But then when I think about it from a Korean native's perspective, you guys come in with fresh eyes. Uh, it's really true that until you guys point out some of my really Koreanness, I mean, I have no idea I am that Korean. Like when you are, you know, really stuck up in your own lifestyle, in like Korean ways of everything, I really have no idea that I'm being super Korean, you know? But then it's you guys who come in, and even like injustice, we're really ignorant to some of the issues that's going on in the society. We are kind of blinded. We think that Wangta's normal. 
We think that every class has a Wang Da. What's up with that? But then you foreigners come in and see that, man, this is way beyond the standard. This is way beyond, you know, like, it's cruel. And it's systematic. It's torture. And then foreigners come in and you guys see that. But I'm going to tell you, some Korean teachers, they're just immune to it. Oh, yeah, Wang Da, we always do with it. So until you tell us, man, there's this problem going on, we can't really, we can't really tell, honestly speaking. You know, but this is problem. There are so many who come just to criticize and just to point out what's bad about Korea. Korea this, Korea that, ajumma this, ajushi that, subway this and bus that, all that. And I think I honestly think, let me be real with you guys. I think we have more than enough foreigners like that. I don't want any more. Come on. <laughs> this is my, man, my flesh is about to come out. <laughs> But man, do me a favor, okay? Please, when you say, man, this is halfway my flesh, but Lord, you have grace on me. Like when you say, oh, that's so Korean. Like with the look on your face and with the tone, really hurts me. Really hurts me. And let me tell you, it doesn't bless Korean natives at all. You know, oh, that's very Korean. Can you say it like that, you know? Oh, that's very Korean, traditional Korean way or something. You know, with that condescending look and like despising, oh, that's so Korean. Oh, please don't do that. PC, you've done it many times. <laughs> I just called you up. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I know life in Korea could get really hard. It could get really tough with all the stares that you get. I know, I know it could be really hard. But what this nation needs is people coming from outside. Yes, with those fresh eyes. And people not coming and complaining, grumbling and criticizing, but with hearts to do something about it. Man, with the heart to bring the transformation. I mean, I can't really say solution. Because I don't know if you have it or not, but at least hard to bring the solution into this society. You know, if you look at major companies, uh, they hire people and then they like go recruit these people uh, from like similar companies, but there are competing companies. And they go out and hunt these people and recruit them because when they come in, they can identify all the bad things about this company. And then, I mean, do they, do they, do they get hired just to criticize and just to identify the bad things? No, they are there to work on it. You know, they are there to give the solution on it. Just like that, the same principle goes to God's kingdom. You know, all these people with fresh eyes come in. You guys identify what's wrong. And I know you guys have the key. Because that's why God opened your eyes to those problems. So, yeah. We need you guys to come in with your contributions and with your intercessions. Man, a good example of a foreigner that has a great influence in Korea. I was trying to search for names, but first person that came to my mind was Jason Ma. He's a powerful minister, preacher, and an author. If you know him, introduce me to him. <laughs> I know some of you do know him, so come talk to me later, but I'll... Jason Ma is a powerful, powerful minister of God. <laughs> Amen. He has so much influence in Korea. You guys know that? 
When he comes, thousands of Korean young people gather just to hear him speak. And I wonder why. I mean, you know, you know why? Okay, I'm not going to joke around anymore, but you know why? It's because it shocked us. The Korean lady, we get shocked by how much love and passion that he has for this nation when he's a ma, like Chinese-American. When he has nothing to do with Korea, you know, when he has nothing to do with it, he has so much love and passion more than we possess. You know, we get blown away by the way he prays for Korea and he always prophesies over Korea. Man, it's unbelievable that he has, he sees that much vision when me, a native Korean girl, can't really see. You know, his heart, his passion, his love for this nation, that's what blows us away. And when these, like, Gyopo ministers, for example, like Pastor Christian, when he goes to speak at these um, conferences or to the youth, I mean, he, you know, starts with his broken Korean introduction. Christian <laughs> I mean, it could look a little silly, but Korean people love that. You know why? Because um, he always preaches, you know, releases the big vision and dream about Korea when he himself didn't grow up in this land. You know, he left and he came back for this nation's revival. That's what touches the hearts of the Korean people. You know, same goes for Pastor John Michael, who's doing orphanage ministry. Same goes for a lot of different people that are committed in this nation. I mean, guys, I was trying to come up with some list of things to do. You know, uh, so from here, where do I take them? Do I tell them to pray harder? Do I tell them to bless this nation? And, you know, three-point sermons, I was trying to work on it. You know, trying to gain more influence in your workplace. I don't know. I was thinking about all those things. But then God just summarized it for me. One word. You guys like the one-point sermon? (laughs) One word. Key is love. Everyone say love. Before I get into that love portion, I want to really thank you guys. All the foreigners, all the kyopos in this land, in this room, praying for my nation. I mean, some of you, it's your nation too. But I really felt like God was telling me to tell you guys to just thank you. Because, I mean, I grew up in this land. I went through all the stuff that you guys regularly pray for. The Wangta stuff, I went through it. I, I got Wangta like crazy when I was in middle school. Suicide, I was suicidal because of that. You guys pray against the suicide uh, rate to drop. I mean, pray for the suicide rate to drop. You guys are praying for me, younger me, and then my tongsengs and my younger generations. And you guys pray for, you know, eating disorder and all that. I went through all that. Body image. Everything that you guys pray, like the K-pop, K-pop stuff. I was crazy about K-pop, by the way. If you want to know more about it, come talk to me. But I was a K-pop crazy girl. I was one obsessed girl. All these things that you guys are covering and praying. I mean, thank you guys. Really. Thank you for blessing this nation with your prayers. And I cannot thank you guys enough. And I know that that's God's heart. And the key is really love, I believe. It's getting a glimpse of God's love and his plan for this nation, Korea. Just getting a little glimpse of it. You know, when we pray, we pray, God, please, please, I don't like that. Because when we have a heart for Korean youth, my heart could be this small. But I know it comes from God. And his heart is huge. 
you know, I just get a little glimpse of it and I start praying. That's why I'm able to pray, even attend this meeting. And it goes, the same goes to everyone in this room. If your heart is burning for Korea, it's because God's love is burning for this nation. It's because his heart is so big for this nation that it's all getting shared to your hearts. I did my study for this part. I'm going to talk about three different people or different families um, about 100 years ago who really demonstrated the spirit of love and sacrifice in this land. It's going to rock you. Powerful. His name is Homer Herbert. He's from USA, America. He was in Korea for 10 years. He came to Korea as an English teacher. Sounds familiar? He, um, he was known to be, his nickname was um, an American who loved Korea more than Koreans. That's what he was known for. He just loved Koreans so much. It's the people here. Broken people from the war time. He just loved Koreans. And then later on, Long story short, he became uh, the emperor of Gojong. He was the last emperor in Korea. He became the Gojong, the king, the emperor's right-hand man. So basically, he was like a go for like a missions, missions man, right? So he was entrusted with all these secret missions to all these nations. So he got sent to Japan. He got sent to America. He got sent to all these international forums to speak uh, for Korea. And when America was not helping Korea... He was American, by the way. He was speaking up for this broken nation, Korea. And he, he died when he was visiting Korea in 1949. And then his last words, his will was, I'd rather be buried in Korea than Westminster Abbey. That was his last words. So he was buried right next to his son who died uh, at age of one in Korea. So both son and dad, their bodies are in this land. It's actually in your hapjong. You could go visit the cemetery if you want. So Herbert, powerful, powerful story. S.F. Moore, he's also from USA. He was in Korea 1892 to 1906. My favorite story. He came to Korea when he was 32. He started preaching the gospel on the streets. He started gathering the orphans and all these broken people, opened a small church and a school. And then we start, he started teaching English and everything. And then one of the students that he had, uh, actually, he had a father who was a butcher. Did I say that right? Butcher? The people who killed the animal, right? Butcher? And then butchers were nameless in Korean society back then. Um, they were considered to be the lowest class, and they didn't even have name. So they were just Pucks, Kims, Lees, like that. So he was a son of a butcher park. And then, uh, obviously, he didn't get any education, but he brought him into the church and started educating him. And then he, um, his dad, the butcher park, was suffering from high food infection, something like that. High food infection, it used to be a deadly disease. So if you got it in Korea back in the time, you would probably die. So he was suffering from the disease, and then more, this missionary visited butcher park several times just to pray for him. And then one day... Park, uh, one day, Moore brought his friend, his name is Abison, his friend who was a doctor into the butcher's house. But then Abison was a royal family doctor for Emperor Kojong. 
So he only took care of the royal people and the king alone. But then this friend, more, come treat him. So he brought Abyssin, the royal doctor, into that humble home. And then several visits happened, and the park fully recovered from the disease. Amen. It was a revolutionary act of love. You know, who would think about even doing that? You know? And then Park started coming out to church. He got baptized and started um, living as a follower of Jesus Christ. And then he even received the name, Song Chun, Park Song Chun. And then he later became an elder at uh, Missionary Moore's church. And uh, his son, the, the, the son picked up from the street, his son also received the name. His name is Ho Yang. And Soyang means Western world, actually. So his son was named Soyang, and then uh, he became the first graduate of Jejungo Medical School, which is right now Yonsei Severance Medical School. So he was the first graduate from from the school, and then he became a doctor, taught at the school as a professor for ten years. So a butcher's son to be a doctor and professor—that's a miracle of love, right there. And more, man, he brought. It's a revolution, you know. And then at the, back, back then, the yangbander, the, the high-class people, they re- refused to sit with those butchers in the church. So they all left, and all the drama happened. But later on, more ended up building this church for the butchers, and later on, everyone joined. It's, it became a powerful church, early 1900s. And it really demonstrated the gospel was for the poor. Gospel war, it was for everyone. You know, and Christ really died for all. That's more story. Isn't that that powerful? <laughs> one, more, one more family, the Halls. Halls, H-A-L-L. The Halls, the, the whole entire family. So William Hall and Rosetta, they were an engaged couple in America. And then 1890, 18, Rosetta came to Korea as a missionary. And then one year later, William joins her, and they get married. They got married in Seoul, in Korea. Dun, 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 dun. And then, uh, <laughs> and then they started church and medical missions uh, in Korea. And then Pyongyang was devastated back then because of China, Japan. For some reason, they had their war in Pyongyang. So why, you know? And then Pyongyang was just devastated. But then they just got married, and then they were just serving faithfully. And only after three years of marriage, William passes away with an epidemic. And Rosetta was seven months into her pregnancy. So she moved back to America, heartbroken, and gave birth to her beautiful daughter. And she returns to Korea in 1897 with her two young children. And unfortunately... Uh, after she built a hospital, and then she ended up losing the same daughter in Korea. She spent 43 years in Korea, serving the sick, serving the land that took away her husband and daughter. And um, they left some powerful inheritance because her son, the only son that survived, Sherwood, his son, and his wife, Marian, also served in Korea as doctors and missionaries for 16 years. It's because they saw, you know, their, the, the, the mom's faith and love for this nation. You know, and then, I mean, I just heard about these three, but then there's millions, thousands of stories like this. And what I'm saying is all these people were able to serve this nation this way because they got the glimpse of God's love for Korea. That's it. 
They just saw how much God loved this land, this broken land, this South Korea, North Korea. They just saw God's heart for these orphans on the streets. And that was it. It was compelling love. They had to come and serve these people. And I really believe that God is calling us tonight to love this land and to bless this land. Get a glimpse of his heart, his love for this nation, and that's going to change everything. I don't have to tell you to pray harder. I don't have to tell you to commit to whatever, take care of orphans. When you get the glimpse of God's heart, I believe that's going to be it. You're going to get it. Um, man, it's emotional. You guys all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the, I mean, the world. And then the early missionaries in Korea, they recited this verse in Korean. And then they paraphrased, they replaced the word the world uh, with Joseon, which is an old name for Korea. And they always recited. Whenever they got challenged, whenever they felt um, broken, when they, whenever they felt like they are lacking something, they recited, 하나님이 조선을 이토록 사랑하다. It just means, for God so loved Joseon. For God so loved Joseon. And you guys all know what follows in the verse, that he gave his one and only son. Love comes with sacrifice. John 3.16 tells you, for God so loved Joseon that he gave his one and only son. And these missionaries understood when you really love a nation, when you really fall in love with this land, you will want to sacrifice and give. I mean, love without sacrifice, it's an easy love. I do not want us to choose that. For God so loved Joseon that he gave. And I feel like God is calling us to do the same. If you love Korea, I mean, I'm not telling you to die for Korea or be a missionary forever. I'm telling you that if you feel that glimpse of God's love for this nation, it's time to give. 하나님이 조선을 이토록 사랑하사. I believe we can remember that, right? <laughs> Man, true love is followed by sacrifice. I want us to pray right now. Uh, can I invite the worship team up? Yeah, we're going to pray. But I want us to dwell on this a little bit. I said true love is followed by sacrifice. Like it's shown in John 3.16 that God so loved Korea that he gave his one and only son. I want us to chew on it for a moment. I want to pray for some people tonight. I want everyone to chew on this. True love is followed by sacrifice. I mean, we've been praying for fire over this peninsula for such a long time. God give us fire, give the youth fire, 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 fire. We've been praying for fire to fall. But then I felt like I was saying, Myungha, where's my sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice of love that I can send the fire upon? Why should I burn? There's nothing on the altar. There's no love. There's no sacrifice. Where do I send the fire to? And I felt like we were ignoring John 3, 16 for such a long time. If you love Korea, if you love that, if you have that heart, little glimpse of God's heart, and I feel like what is followed by the love is sacrifice. 
you've been dodging this, I want you to get it tonight. If you have a little bit of love for this nation, for North and South Korea, I do believe this is time to put your body on the altar. And ask for fire. And you know what? God's going to send the fire to you. And he's going to spread the fire through you. Once again, he's asking, where is the body? Where is the sacrifice? I want to send the fire so badly. I'm waiting. And where is the sacrifice that I'm waiting for? Man, everyone, I want everyone in this room to start praying and asking for God's love to fill your heart. Ask for the glimpse of the love. God, if I'm here for a year, for two years, for ten years, I don't know how long. But God, give me a glimpse of your love and your passion for this nation. Love for the youth. Love for the broken. Love for the orphans. If you don't have it, ask for it.